Jesus. Thanks for being brave and forging through the snow. To all of your friends who aren't here, you should text them right now and tell them they're wimps. Sorry. If you're watching online, I'm totally kidding. Glad that, glad that you're online and uh, glad that you're here with us today. It is really a great resource to have the, uh, uh, the web stream for times when people aren't feeling well or can't make it through the snow or whatever it is, uh, but we are super glad that you're online. Hey, I want to share uh, just a win for us over the last few weeks. Uh, our children's ministry decided to participate in Impact. You guys know what Impact is. It's that season of year where we ask you to give, and then we give all that money away to our ministry partners. And so our children wanted to be involved, the, the leadership there. So they began uh, what they called Food Wars. They connected it to Star Wars coming out. It was great promotion. How about the other picture first? That would be better. Uh, so they did a food drive, and that's all the food that they collected. Each of the classes, so the kindergarten competed. Yeah. So um, they brought in 331 items. All of that will go to our food pantry, which is just a pantry we have here every other uh, weekend where we serve anywhere from 50 to 75 to 100 families uh, in the pantry. So really cool thing. I'm not sure if they've announced who the winner is, but if this is a spoiler alert, plug your ears. Uh, the kindergarten class won. My, uh, my favorite story of this whole thing is... Uh, a friend of mine who has a child in the program called me from Costco, and he's like, you know that food wars thing they're doing? I'm like, yeah. He said, do you know if seven-ounce fruit cups are going to count? Because they have cases of them here, and I think I can put them over the top. <laughs> so dad was into it, right? He was going to buy all the fruit cups. I'm not sure if they counted or not, but he was going to do it. And then the other thing they did, which I love, is the other picture, if you want to bring that up. Uh, is last weekend or week before last, they all got together and they made blankets. His family uh, came and they made these blankets and uh, those two are gonna be donated to uh, my father's business. But let's give a hand for our kids, man. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and then the last reminder, we have about uh, 100 kids, a little more than 100 kids at what they call the Big Chill. They asked me if I'd wear their T-shirt. I said it's really ugly, but sure. Um, <laughs> So here I am wearing their t-shirt. They like them. Uh, the Big Chill is just a weekend retreat with the junior high and high school kids. Uh, they took three bus loads full of kids. Uh, whenever that happens, I always think to myself, I'm glad I'm not the children's pastor, the youth pastor. Have fun, enjoy. Uh, but it's crazy. There were so many obstacles uh, this year to get those kids there that I have no doubt that God has something amazing. It just felt like warfare. So literally... Uh, three buses. One of the buses was very late in coming, which means they were late in leaving. And while they were waiting to leave, one of the other bus drivers had some type of health episode, could have been a heart issue, we're not sure, uh, and he had to be taken off in an ambulance. Now, if you just connect all those dots, uh, the buses were delayed in leaving, and then while they're in the parking lot, the bus driver has an episode. Just think if they'd have been on the road. And I just was very aware, like, God's hand in this whole thing. So uh, we're going to stop for a minute, and we're going to pray for that bus driver. We know his name is Harvey. Uh, and if anybody here happens to know Harvey and know uh, anything about it, we would love to know more so that we can look at him. I don't know what his last name is. I'm going to call the bus company Monday and just see if we can get a little more uh, information just so we can reach out to him. Um, but we're also just going to pray for our kids as they're kind of wrapping up the big chill. And this is... Uh, uh, over and over, this is, this is a time when a lot of kids just make big decisions for Jesus because they're off out of their environment. They're hearing, uh, hearing a good message. And so, uh, Lord, we just lift up Harvey to you. Uh, I don't know what happened. I just know that it's a pretty big deal to, uh, 
be held off in an ambulance because you can't breathe, and whether it's a heart condition or a lung condition, we just pray uh, that your hand would be on him. I pray that he would know that your hand is on him as he is healed, uh, and that he would know that you're up to something, and uh, somehow that you would just connect the dots that we would be able to minister to him. And we pray for the kids at the Big Show. We just pray that you would do uh, great things with those young people. Pray that you would keep them safe as they travel back. And uh, I'm grateful for the small group leaders and our youth pastors that really do have a heart to get on a bus and go give up a weekend to just uh, love on our kids. We're grateful for them and ask that you would bless them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't say it last night, but I probably should. Uh, we leave tomorrow morning with the core team, uh, the, the staff that helps to pull things together for every year for three days of an offsite. So if you think of it over the next three days, if you would just be praying for us as we think through what next year is gonna look like and plan and do all that, we would sure appreciate your prayers. Hey, we're in week four of the series that we've called Resolve, and the, the idea behind this series is instead of a long list of resolutions that we're probably not gonna keep, how many of you already know not kept one of your resolutions. You guys always lie to me when I ask these kind of questions. Thank you for one honest person in the room. Anyway, instead of a long list of resolutions, like go to the gym every day, uh, where you just said, what if you just ask God for one word? What if you just ask God for one thing that he wants to become part of your DNA in 2018? And we've heard all kinds of exciting words. I actually ask you to, to email me your word if you don't mind it dkempton at gracewired.com. I'd love to hear what God has given you. One of the people emailed me this week said that their word was hippopotamus, to which I thought, well, that is a very different word. But then she explained that the hippopotamus can stand in the rushing water with the water rising, with the water rushing in, in its face and not become flustered. And she wants to be able to withstand the torrents all around her and stand sorry. I thought it was a beautiful picture. So I don't know what your word's gonna be. It might be something like hippopotamus. Pay attention to that. Uh, I know I just had a conversation this morning with some people who are still navigating, trying to find their word. Meg's uh, encouragement to us was don't, uh, don't just choose a word, but let the word find you. Uh, if the word is easy for you, uh, it's probably not God. So he's probably gonna stretch you. He's probably gonna call you into something that's uh, a bit of a stretch. So ask the Lord for a word, listen, and if you do get a word, we'd love for you to write it down and stick it on the board here just so that we can look. I saw people coming in this morning just reading all the words. It's just great to see how it's encouraged one another. So one of the things we've been doing along the way is uh, we gave you one of these cards I uh, just want to point out, this is for you. Uh, you don't need to turn this in. Some people turned it in last week. Uh, I don't need them. Um, you already put your word up there. This is just so you can have it somewhere where you can remember and think about your word. If you need more than one, that's fine. If you want one in your car and one on your mirror, whatever you need, this is just a tool to help you remember your word. And the other thing we've been doing is we've been inviting some friends up here. So if the Pattons are in the house and if the Carters are in the house, I would love to talk about your word. There's two. Patents, patents. Oh, there you are. You tricked me. You got to sit in the same place both weeks. So uh, why don't we start with a little introduction? I guess you're going first. <laughs> Jenny made that clear. So tell everybody who you are, uh, what your word is, and um, what it means to you. Okay. Good morning. Uh, I'm John Carter. This is my wife. Bride of 47 years, Jenny. And uh, I did the hyphenated word. My first word is more, and the second word is listen. 
And what I believe God is sharing with me is that I've been, I've been developing this thirst for more of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, um, that, that translates into you know, encouragement from God to be, to be listening, my second word, listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And Jesus has been encouraging me through his word when he says that if anyone is thirsty, come to me and I will, I will fill him. You know, so um, with, and streams of living water will flow from within him. That's great. And so um, I, I just uh, am, am so excited about my role with you and being able then to share that living water with you, even to the extent that when I hug, and I sometimes do that. Uh, that even, you, when, even when Meg says not to. <laughs> yeah, that you would be soaked. You would be drenched with God's love. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not sure that John said it, but he serves here as one of our elders, and we're, we love that. Akisha, why don't you go next? Tell us who you are, what you do around here. She's in charge of those food wars, but anyway, <laughs> uh, tell us that, and then tell us your word and what it means to you. Okay. Um, Lakeisha Patton, like you said, and I'm the children's director. Um, it was so interesting when Martin Sanders came and talked about <clears throat> the one word because the Lord had been dealing with, dealing with me with that even before he came. And um, I have a hyphenated word as well. So my first word is legacy. And, um, but it's not the legacy of leaving a gift or property or something behind for your kid. It's more of a spiritual legacy for our children. And I really have been meditating as my kids are getting older and I'm getting older. Um, you know, what example are we leaving for them? What type of example of how to follow Christ, how to live for Christ, and how to share that with others? And so um, he gave me that word legacy. And um, through my prayer day, if you're on staff, Doug encouraged us to have a prayer day once a month and I've been trying to do that faithfully. And um, I was sitting again with the Lord and being quiet, and he gave me the word um, freedom. And he told me, he was like, Keisha, in order to live out that calling of that legacy to pass down to your children, you're gonna have to have freedom in areas of your life. And so I took that to heart. So in order to live out that legacy, to pass that down to my children, there's some things in my life that I need to be free from. So I have legacy and I have freedom. That's great. You wanna go, Sean? No? Uh, <clears throat> my word is uh, patient. I'm going to try and follow the outline on the screen. Uh, so what that word means to me, um, patient. I tend to be a disciplinarian, strong disciplined person. Um, and in keeping with that effort, I have a tendency to lean more towards the task at hand versus the people who have to perform the task. And oftentimes it kind of gets unbalanced um, or I don't consider the people, uh, but more so the task. So a scripture that was given to me, one of the scriptures that was given to me uh, was Proverbs chapter three, verses 11 and 12, where it encourages us not to reject the discipline of the Lord uh, for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines or right. reproves just as a father, disciplines a son in whom he delights. And two action steps from that scripture. Um, actually, this came to me last night. 
Uh, first is the father-son relationship. Uh, as I strive to be a more effective leader, uh, I should be more relational and connected to the people great. Uh, who have to perform uh, the task. And the second one, uh, action step, is love, doing things in love and out of love. Um, in that scripture, it says, whom the Lord loves, uh, the, father, the son in whom the father delights. And so when I considered that word, uh, love, and how the Bible defines it, uh, the first word in that definition, in that long list of things that what love is, is patient. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Jenny, reluctantly dragging her up here, she's going to share her word. I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, and here she is. Oh. <laughs> My word is prioritize. And uh, before I tell you why that's my word, I just want to tell you um, the past um, several years, uh, before I go to sleep at night, I rehash the day and kind of like the Super Bowl after the game, rehash the game while I rehash my day. And, but I look for things that I'm grateful for and giving thanks to God for and where I've seen his faithfulness and his presence. And toward the end of last year, as I was doing my evening rehash and thankful gratitude time, um, creeping in would always be um, regrets of what I didn't do that day. Instead of giving God gratitude, it was like, um, I felt bad that I didn't make that phone call that I really wanted to make or write that letter. And so when Doug gave us um, the talk on finding a word and have it, waiting for the Holy Spirit to give it to you, the word prioritize came and along with prioritize, no excuses. And the um, Bible verse, actually I wrote it down so I wouldn't get nervous. Forget it. Great. Um, Isaiah 41, 13. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And I do need his help with this. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for sharing your word. I appreciate it. They're going to uh, sweep the chairs off the stage. While they're doing that, I just want to kind of remind you the one thing that John said that's so important is as you sink into the word, it's going to come in layers. You're going to be, uh, yeah, I know what that means, but God's going to give you another piece of it. It's going to be, oh, yeah, there's more to this than I thought there was. So I'm just encouraging you to stay with it. Stay with it through the year. Uh, keep going and just allow God to do what he wants to do. Again, I want to remind you, if you haven't, uh, if you don't have a word yet, that's okay. I've talked to some people that are a little bit frustrated, like they don't feel like they've got it, just Trust Jesus, I think he'll speak to you. And if you have and, and you haven't written it down and put it on the board uh, when the service is over, I would love for you to do that as well. Grab your Bibles, turn to uh, uh, Philippians chapter three. We spent uh, all of these weeks in the same chapter. And uh, what we are discovering in this chapter is, is that Paul begins by writing, I want to give you a few things to safeguard your walk with God. I want to write down a few things, and it's a pleasure for me to write them again, and these will help you to walk faithfully with Jesus, is what he's saying. Or we could say, this will help you if God's given you the word to live into and live out the word that's God given you. And let me just remind you, 
you of the first three that we've already talked about so that if you weren't here, you're kind of up to speed. The first was that we would know Christ, that we would prioritize knowing Christ. That was when I talked about uh, what, le- what is it that leads your mind? What is it that you think about the most? I talked about the fact that Meg and I have been moving and we're moved now, but in the process of that move, all of that became um, overwhelming to me and that's what led my mind. So pay attention to what you think about, pay attention to what's going on in your mind, but the, the, and he says in there that I count everything else as lost compared to the riches of knowing Christ. So it's this prioritization of wanting to know Jesus, know who he is, know, know what he's all about. The second one is that we press on, and that's just the idea of being honest with who we are, seeing our own shortcomings. Paul says, hey, not that I've already obtained all this. The writer, Paul, says, not that I've already obtained of this, but I press on, I keep moving towards the goal. So as you write down your word, pretty good odds, there's going to be seasons or times where the word is difficult. I have found, actually, ironically, that I've been more joyful at times, and I've also been, that's my word, joy, and I've also been really struggling uh, to find it at times. We had a pretty intense week this week, and there was just, and so what's the value of the word? It keeps it front and center to me and has me stopping and saying, boy, I know there's a lot going on, but why is this joy so hard for me to grasp in the midst of these difficulties that are happening around here, and which the difficulties are going to come, right? It's life. So that's the value of, of pressing on, of, of holding the word in front of you and still pushing towards it. And then uh, last week, we talked about forgetting the past. And I kind of gave you uh, what I think theologically that means. It doesn't mean uh, living in denial. It doesn't mean you block out everything that's ever happened to you. It's actually assessing what is it in your past that keeps you from running unencumbered. Right? And it could be unforgiveness or bitterness or uh, it could be sin in your life. And I had those cinder blocks. Remember, I invited the runner to come up here who, in her pride and arrogance, thought she could beat me carrying two cinder blocks. <laughs> way, to, way to make the pastor feel good. Anyway, the point was you're, we're carrying those weights. And what does it look like for us to throw off everything that hinders our walk with God. So as you discover the things that keeps you from living into your word, what does it look like for you to prayerfully throw those off? So those are the first three that we talked about, and then we'll get to the fourth one. So the the passage that we're looking at today that will help us to see what our fourth element is, is verses 15 and 16 in Philippians 3. And Paul writes these words, he says, not, excuse me, let those who are mature, think this way. What does he mean? He means think of all the things I've just mentioned. Let those who are mature in Christ, let those who know Christ to think this way. But then he says these words, if anything, if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've obtained. I think the second part of that verse 15 is really encouraging because what he's saying is regardless of where you are and what you know and and how you are experiencing Jesus, I love that that even John was talking about you may be exploring, you may know, you may even not know where you are in that continuum, but what Paul is saying is regardless of where you are, if you are willing to listen, God will reveal it also to you. And what this tells us is that God is a God who speaks to us. God is a God who's personal. God is a God that if we are willing to tune in, then, then he is going to speak to us. 
So it's not about some people have arrived and some people haven't. It's this incredible opportunity for us to tune in and to hear the voice of God. God will reveal what you need in order to get through this. And then in verse 16, and this is where we're going to pull out our, our next element, he says, let us hold true to what we have attained. And at first glance, that would be fine. We could just put those two words up there, hold true, because it kind of captures part of it. But the problem is, this is one word in the original language, and uh, it, it, it's just a hard word for us to, to grab onto. So what I want to do, and I know this is a lot, so I'm just asking you to stay with me. I'm going to hit uh, four different verses. So, so this word in the original Greek is only used by Paul in his letters, and it means it, it, every time it's used, it's translated differently, which tells us it's kind of a, a complicated word. We probably don't have any word like it in the English language that fits to the Greek language. So, so that's why it gets translated differently. So I'm just going to run through these. You don't have to look them up because you won't have time. I'm just going to hit them real quick. But Romans 4, verse 12, and it says that, and to make him the father, God the father of the circumcised, who are merely, not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before. Say, so the words walk in the footsteps is the, are the, is the same Greek word as the hold true, okay? But translated differently, but you're starting to get a feel for it. Then in Galatians 5, 22 through 25, if you know that passage, it's the, uh, the, the fruits of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And then when he gets to verse 25, he says, we live by the Spirit. And so because we have the Spirit in us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Same word, hold true, keep in step, right? So you're seeing how it's kind of got this nuance to it. And then in Galatians 6.15, he says, for neither the circumcised counts for anything nor the uncircumcision, but a new creation for, as for all who walk by this rule. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Same word, four different passages. Every time it's translated, it's translated just a little bit different. They're all similar, hold true, walk by this rule, but there's something different. So if we go back to the original word and just look up the definition of the word, it basically just means that, that we're in strict accordance to a particular pace, all right? A strict accordance to a particular pace or walking or following a specific cadence. It was a military word mainly, and it was a picture of a, an army walking and marching in unison. If you've ever seen an army who's all in the perfect step, it's a, it's a crazy thing to see, but that is a picture. We're all in step, right? And we're all marching to the same beat, to the same drum. So the fourth element that I want you to hold on to and I want us to think about is to keep in rhythm. Keep in rhythm. Living our lives in the rhythm to what God and the Spirit is doing in our lives. It's, it's marching to the beat of God's drum, right, instead of to our own drum. It's, it's adhering to a strict or specific cadence. The word carries this beautiful picture of, of listening and responding according to what God is doing. So what I want to do is take a few minutes and just unpack this a little bit more. And, and so I, I think what I want to start with is just showing you a video of what it looks like to be in strict cadence. So let's just show this video. Very cool.
Pretty cool. Imagine if they were just a little bit off. Nothing would work, right? And they're marching and the movement of their hands and the sound of the beat that you hear, it's all in rhythm. We have this uh, cheat here that you guys don't know about. It's called a click track. And uh, what happens is the guy in the booth back there, when he gets ready to play, knows what the tempo of the song is going to be. Sometimes when I come in and listen to him rehearse, they're even talking about, well, should we speed it up? Should we slow it down? They pick a different number. I have no idea what the numbers mean, but I don't need to because... I'm the preacher, not the guitar player, but that's not the point. The point is, this little click plays in their ear. So uh, I'm going to have them play a click so you can hear it. So this is what it sounds like. In that little ear thing, this is what they hear. Hopefully not this loud, but maybe it is. I don't know. And that's what keeps them in rhythm, adhering to a strict cadence, right? So what we're going to do is we are going to sing a little bit of a song and we're gonna sing it to this cadence. So they've already picked it, so if you wanna stand up for me, you can't sing this song sitting down. This is one of the cool songs that we do that makes you stand up. So John's gonna lead us in that song, and pay attention. We are listening to one another, and we are staying in rhythm and in cadence. And we should have done this when we started the worship, when you guys tried to clap, and we, we should have had this playing then. Sing set us. click track. So I want you to hear what it would be like if we didn't follow a strict rhythm or a cadence. So the band's going to play the same song, same notes. Everyone here is the same musicians. They all know their part, uh, but we're going to just do it a little bit differently, and I'm going to encourage you to sing along. Set a hot singing along with that one, by the way. (laughs) Now, just think about it for a minute. Same note, same musician, same skill, but there's something beautiful (laughs) that happens when we are in cadence, and there's something kind of painful when we are out of cadence. We all felt it. Like, there... It was, he was playing the exact same chords. He was singing the same song, but the, it just didn't come together the way that it could. We started talking about this uh, earlier in the week, and John and I began to uh, just kind of brainstorm about this idea, and you just had some interesting thoughts about uh, how you've learned over time and the difference when new people come in. So just talk about that. Because, and just what I'm, I'm not asking you to become musicians. I'm asking you to realize how much overlap there is to our spiritual journey to this very thing of, of playing music together. So just share that. Yeah, so uh, I didn't kind of grow up playing to a metronome or a click track, whatever you want to call it. And as I started to get into more context, they're like, we're going to use the click, whether it's recording or you know, here at church or in different things, there was definitely a learning curve. It was kind of like, this feels really funky. Maybe you were feeling that, like, you're like, oh my gosh, how do I, oh, I'm feeling it. 
Um, but it's something that you have to get used to how it sounds. You have to get used to how it feels. You have to get used to what, what it feels like to play the things that I need to play and sing the things that I need to sing with that kind of consistent rhythm because I'm not like every human. We're not capable of telling perfect time. We're not capable of kind of discerning what one second feels like unless we have someone showing us or telling us. So there's definitely a learning curve in figuring out how to play with that kind of constant beat. But you also talked about how it's gotten easier and how when people come in new, it's hard. So talk about that because part of this is encouraging us. Is if this being in rhythm is difficult for you, it's going to get easier. And that's what came out of our conversation. Yeah, we have people who will join the team, whether it's a vocalist or a drummer or a guitar player, and maybe they're not as used to kind of playing to that or practicing with that or kind of dealing with it. And there's definitely like a discomfort. It's kind of like, oh, I'm not used to this. I don't... Um, but as you learn and as you do it, like I was telling Doug and I said yesterday, I wouldn't play without it anymore if I had a choice. I love it. It kind of, it, it's, I can structure my playing and my singing and the way that I think about music around it. And so I've learned to really kind of exist with it. It's not annoying to me at all. It's actually a big part of my music making, my kind of um, being part of the band. But when the new people come, it's very difficult for them to hear it. It's difficult for them to stay with oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's and then, totally And weird. now it's difficult for them not to. Yep. And that's, that's the picture I want you to get. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing we talked about that I just want you to share is you talked about, and this one I really don't understand, but I love the spiritual principle. I don't understand it musically, but I get it spiritually. You talked about the difference between just following the, the cadence and being in rhythm, that there's something there. And actually, John was the one who brought that out. So can you yep. try to explain that? Yeah, we're actually, time so I could understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do my best. I'll do my very best. We were talking after service, and um, I think it was either Ron or Rick that brought up the point. We could do the same song, the same exact tempo, same chords, same notes, and if we swapped out Rick for one of our other drummers, Roger, the song would feel different. If we swapped out Ben for another one of our bass players, Frank or Chris, it would, it would change because the feel of the song is related to the tempo. We call it rhythm. And John, who's actually running sound, plays keyboard with us. He talked about how the rhythm and kind of the groove, the feel of the song has to do with the beat and the tempo, but it's often a little bit more nuanced than that. You can play the right tempo, but if you play the wrong feel, one of our, one of our guys said, yeah, you could have a, someone, a snare player from a drum line and he could play the right tempo, but if he was playing with the jazz band, it would sound terrible. He'd just be beating away at a snare drum, but the groove and the rhythm and the kind of feel would be off even though they were playing the same tempo. So it's the idea here is staying in rhythm with the, what God is doing, of learning to listen and move with God. So this wasn't part of the plan, but if you're a musician and you want to be part of playing with a click track, John would love to have you come up and audition. So I didn't know I was going to say that, but hey, we might as well get the plug in. So why don't we thank these guys and you guys can head off. Yeah, the more John and I started talking early in the week about the possibility of doing this, the more that picture has just stuck with me. And I wanted it to stick with you too. That, that idea, like, it is, the one thing that's come out of the conversation is uh, John and the other, they have learned 
to pitch their ear, for lack of a better word, towards one another. While they're in the middle of playing, they are listening to the bass, they are listening, but they're not having to say, oh, I need to stop and listen. It just becomes second nature, and that's what we want for you. We want, as you journey with God, and for some of you, you we're gonna talk about this next, so how do we begin to, to listen? For some of you, this is not second nature, and just the idea of God speaking to you is a foreign idea, and, and, but that's where we go back to the first verse in there, verse 15. Look, if. If he hasn't, God wants to speak to you, right? If you just want, if you just pitch your ear towards God, I am telling you, as sure as I'm standing on this stage, God wants to speak to you personally. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal truth to you. God is a God of invitation, and he's always speaking to us. The difference is, are we willing to listen to what God has to say? And that becomes the how, right? The, the how of, of leaning into this idea of listening. And that's what I, I kind of want to wrap things up with is a little bit of talk. Paul writes in verse 16, let us hold true, and I've translated that or, or used the words keep in rhythm, to what you have obtained. And the word here is to what you have heard to what you hear. Hold true to what you hear. And the biblical principle at work here, and, and just pay attention to me because this is important, is the scriptures tell us that as God reveals truth to you, what you do with that truth determines whether or not God reveals more truth to you. Right, So if we go and, and we look at Luke, and this is, I'm taking this from the New Living Translation just because I think it's a little easier to grab onto, but in Luke 8, verse 18, it says, pay attention to how you hear. What's he saying there? Pay attention to what you do with what you hear. Pay attention to whether or not you're obedient or responsive to the invitations of God in your life. He says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. In other words, if you do what I'm asking you to do, if you respond the way I'm asking you to respond, I will give you more. But listen to this, to those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. It's, it's this concept of the little big theory. How we use what God gives to us determines what else God is going to give us. So for some of you, you're not hearing anything from God. It may be that God has already spoken to you about doing something or not doing something or moving towards someone or whatever it is. And you've said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't like the way that makes me feel. And then God has gone silent. You know what he's saying? Well, do what I already told you to do before you come back and ask me for more. Right, And that's kind of how it works. As we lean into, as we listen to God, as we respond to the invitations of God, we will become more and more attuned to listening to God, like John being able to hear the rest of the band. We will get better and better at hearing God in our lives as we learn to listen to God. The one thing that uh, I just want to kind of talk about for a minute is the idea that we, we have to have spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines in our lives. And a spiritual discipline has no value in and of itself. Fasting isn't earning anything from God. The, the 15 minutes with God we're going to talk about in a minute isn't, isn't checking a box that we're earning something. All of these are, are putting yourself in a position to listen to God. You know, I put together my whole sermon, and then last night Meg and I were talking, and she said, you know, all of the things you're talking about are in the Lent Guide. I didn't even know that Meg wrote the Lent Guide. Thank you, Meg. You did a great job. Um, 
so all of the elements of my sermon are in the link guide. So get the link guide. And, and in there are just disciplines that, that you can sink into. So, so what are some of the d- disciplines that position us to listen to God? One is the 15 minutes with God. Look, if you have a discipline in your life that allows you to spend time in the scriptures and listening to God, then keep doing that. We are not saying this is the way. We are just saying it's a way, and we would love for you to participate. And what we do is we just assign one chapter of scripture, which usually is about four or five minutes of reading at the most. Uh, you can just get that online. You, there's, you can get it off of Facebook if you follow us. But you just, you read that, that chapter of scripture. As you read, you ask the spirit of God, what do you want to say to me? Now, keep in mind, as you listen and God says things to you, you're going to need to respond to what he says or else things may get kind of quiet for a while. But you just ask, God, what do you want to say to me? And then you spend five minutes reading, five minutes journaling. What did God say to you? And then you just spend five minutes praying. The people I know that have begun to do the 15 minutes, God, most of them say, I can't get it done in 15 minutes. Is that okay? Yes, that's fine. If it takes you a half hour, that's okay. The idea is, will you carve out 15 minutes in the morning to give to God, to listen to God, to learn to attune your ear to what the Spirit of God wants to say to you. I didn't say this last night, and I went home kind of regretting it. This is the greatest invitation ever. The God of the universe, the creator of everything, wants to have a conversation with you. How cool is that? But he's saying, look, I'm not just going to force my way in. If you will carve out some time, if you will be intentional, the scriptures say if you resist the devil and move towards God, he will move towards you. This is one of the ways we move towards God. So 15 minutes is a great accessible way for you to begin to carve out some time. Set your alarm 15 minutes earlier. Jump in the shower, take your shower, and then sit down. And I guarantee you, your day will be different because you've given those few minutes every day. Uh, The other thing I just want to encourage you is to actually practice this Lenten season where we're just saying, hey, what what do you want to give up? What do you want to do? Maybe practice generosity. Read that introduction that Meg has written and say, what what, what is God calling me to do over the Lenten season? And then the last thing I'm going to talk about as far as a discipline goes, and I think it's crazy uh, that Jenny talked about it because I didn't ask her to, but it's the daily examine. That's what she was talking about. At the end of the day, she just examines her day. She says, I reflect on the day, and, and I just ask God, you know, how did things go, and, and, and that's where God has begun to speak to her. And there's all kinds of ways to do a daily exam, and I like to just ask God, where did I notice God today? Where did I notice you at work today? Where did I see you doing something in my day? And you know, I, I always tell you one thing every service which probably makes you insecure. Some days, I just have to be honest and say, I, I don't think I was paying attention, God. I, I don't know where I saw you at work. That doesn't mean God wasn't at work. It means I wasn't listening. I wasn't attuned that day. So what's the value of doing it every night? Because I can get up the next morning and say, I want to see you moving in the world around me and my, the people I work with, right? It's just that idea of kind of re up and listening. But also, it's a great time to begin to be like, oh, that was so cool when I saw you doing this, and it was so awesome when I saw you doing this with this person and this. So that's the idea of just stopping. So at the end of the night, Every one of you can practice this. When your head hits the pillow, just ask him, where did I see you at work today? Or or, where was I out of step with you today? Whatever question works for you. And if you just get used to the same question every night, God will begin to use it and God will begin to speak to you through it. One of the questions that a lot of people ask is, Lord, it's been a busy day. What do you want to say to me as I go to bed? And just listen. 
Sometimes we don't hear anything because we just don't stop long enough to listen. So those are some disciplines. I want to encourage you uh, to come next week. Uh, the, the second part of this, of how we learn to listen to God, is really G's message next week. And as I started to write, I realized I was kind of taking some of his thunder uh, for next week. So make sure you're back here next week, and we'll just continue the conversation uh, about how we hear from God. What I want to do is a little bit different. I don't do this every week, but uh, I think it's a good week to do it, uh, is I just want to give you just a little bit of time to listen. And so I'm going to just guide you through some questions or just encourage you to close your mind. And as we do this, I just want to encourage the prayer team to come down now so that you know who our prayer people are and they'll be down front and they'll just be sitting here waiting for you uh, after the service. Uh, But for right now, I just want to encourage you to close your eyes. And just ponder these questions. Ask them back to God in the quietness of your own mind in the way of a prayer. Just pray these words back to God and just listen for a couple minutes. God, what are you inviting me into? Ask the Lord to show you where you're resisting. Maybe even as I was talking, you already knew where you were out of step with God. Pray that back to God in the way of a confession. God, I'm sorry. Help me to. Then just ask him, God, what do you want to say to me? And just listen. As the people gathered before the service today and prayed for you, uh, they had a sense that some, there were some people in the room uh, who are in a scary place right now and that they're dealing with fear. And that God wants you to know that this is a safe place for you. That a sense that some people are experiencing some kind of paralysis um, in their body and that they need prayer for that. And interestingly enough, the last thing that they heard is that there's people in the room that want to hear more from God. Perfect segue from the sermon. So Lord, we just pray. Uh, as you take us from this place, uh, that we would have minds set on you. We'd press in, that we would forget the past, and that we would stay in rhythm with your spirit. Teach us to listen. Teach us to be people whose lives are marked by the words hear and obey. Hear and respond. May we see the invitations from you as glorious invitations to experience the living God more and more in our lives. We set aside our selfishness, our desire to control, all of those things that keep us from walking faithfully and listening faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, uh, any one of these lovely people would like to pray for you. Otherwise, enjoy the Super Bowl, eh?